Hypocrisy's the best policy. Wish for change, but lazily. Century of debilitation. Your evolution is a damnation. What's up, everybody? You know who this is. It's your boy, Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and welcome to a special in-the-box edition of the Hudson Valley Hockey Podcast, now powered by Capiche.com. I'm the only independent outlet dedicated to covering hockey in our region. Hands down, my favorite part of the show is when I get to sit with players, coaches, parents, and fans to talk pucks. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as I chat with Mr. Charlie Gill, founder of U.S. Hockey Players Support Our Troops. What's up, everybody? You know who this is. It's your boy, Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'm pleased to be joined by Charlie Gill, president of the U.S. Hockey Players Support Our Troops organization, and he's going to spend some time in the box. Thanks for calling in this morning, Charlie. Oh, it's great to be here, Travis. Um, So can you please tell us a little bit about your hockey background? Sure. I mean, my hockey background is uh, pretty old school. I grew up uh, here in Brooklyn playing roller hockey mostly um, during the late 1960s, early 1970s. Um, you know, I didn't really get a chance to get on the ice till I was a teenager. So, you know, I was trying to catch up with the with the kids that had been skating for a long time. I, I never really could, but I, you know, so I never reached any kind of high level or anything, but I had a heck of a good time trying and, and playing. Um you know, had there been a pro roller hockey league back then, I probably would have done okay, but there wasn't. So, um, you know, I was determined that, you know, if I ever had a family that uh, my kids uh, would have a shot at, at playing. Um, and uh, that's actually what happened later on. But, you know, the roller hockey experience in Brooklyn and a little bit of ice hockey was uh, was a heck of a lot of fun. You know, and I have friends to this day from, from those days um, that, uh, you know, my best buddies right now. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I saw on your Facebook page that there were some pictures of you from your playing days back in the 60s and 70s and then looked like there was some type of reunion where a bunch of you guys got together before they actually took the rink down. Is that is Do I have that right, Charlie? They took the rink down? Yeah, the rink, well, the rink is actually coming down in a few weeks, oh, okay. um, and we're going we're gonna to squeeze in one more uh, reunion. Nice. Um, you know, before then. But yeah, those are the same guys. So that's, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. 45 I, years. 
I have to tell you, hockey. I never, I had never played the sport, but in interviewing players, coaches, parents, fans, I mean, hockey. You, it, it's a lifestyle. You become a family, like you said. They're your brothers. They're more than just players. So, and those memories will last a lifetime. Speaking of that, do you have any favorite memories or moments that you can share from your playing days? Yeah, you know, some of them I can't, uh, I can't share because the kids are probably listening, but. Right. You know, uh, all I can say is, you know, when, when we played back then, um, our style of play mirrored, uh, the NHL at the time, you know, and the NHL at the time was a, was a little bit like slap shot, you know, the Paul Newman movie. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, interesting times, uh, on and off the ice. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of fighting, a lot of fantastic hockey. It was very competitive. Um, but we were, you know, we were a little crazy in those days. Uh, but, uh, you know, luckily everybody got through it okay. Um, but it really, you know, really taught you, uh, you know, how to be part of the team, obviously, you know, how to, how to get along with others, how to, how to problem solve and all those kinds of things. So, uh, it was just, just a big, big load of fun. That's how I remember it all. Um, so, to tie into what you just said, what are some of the differences between when you played and what you see in today's game. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, how, how different it is. I mean, you know, you could, you could see, uh, you know, if you weren't involved back then, anybody could, you know, go on uh, YouTube or something and, and, and look at the, the style of play, or look at highlights from back then. And, you know, the first thing you'll notice is that the game was a lot slower uh, compared to how it is now. Now it's, it's, it's wide open. I mean, we had a thing back then called the red line that probably young players don't even know what that is, but... Um, you know, there was a center ice line and they had a thing called a two line pass that, you know, if you made one, you'd, you'd be like an offside, you'd blow the whistle and have to stop. You know, we didn't have touch up offsides like we have now. Um, so the game is much more wide open in, in a lot of ways, but it's also, it's funny, it's also, uh, ironic, but I think there's a lot more X's and O's now. So from, you know, coaching and from the sort of strategy of the game, I think there's a lot. Um, now, yet the game is more wide open, so it's almost uh, like two opposites there colliding. But that, that, that's pretty much the difference. And you know, the players now uh, faster, they're more skilled, they're bigger. Um, so you know, it's, it's a big improved. I think it's a much improved improved game. You know, one of the big things that I noticed, and I saw it, I saw it. I went to a Ranger Devil game um, maybe like ten days ago, and it seems to me like. You can't hit anybody anymore without then getting into a fight afterwards. I saw saw a guy from the Rangers, a clean, hard hockey hit, what I consider to be a clean, hard hockey hit, and all of a sudden after that he's got to drop the gloves. It just seems to me like um, that that element, I, I don't can't really put my finger on why it's different, but that just seems to be a major yeah. difference for me, you know. Yeah, no, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a lot, you know, we... We've, uh, you know, I've been around the game, like I said, since 1970 or so. And, you know, whether you're watching the game in 1970 or watching it last night, you know, I watched the, uh, the Islanders Devils last night, you know, you, 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 you're always picking on the referees. You know, I have, I have some really good friends that are refs and, uh, you know, I, I try to, I try to be understanding from their perspective. But yeah, you know, when you're, when you're watching, I think I even saw the game you're talking about I, and I think I know the hit you're talking about. Uh, it's funny, you know. There's a lot less fighting in the game now as compared to the past. But but you're right. I mean, some different things seem to uh, to spur a fight. You know, um, 
And I, I don't get it, but uh, there are times where I think, you know, in the past there would have been fights and there aren't. And then, like you say, sometimes there's a, like a clean hockey hit and a player takes exception to it. And, you know, uh, so I, I don't understand, you know, I mean, when you're on the ice, you know, I'm sure the player would explain to you why, why they did what they did, but, you know, and they had a reason for it. But, yeah, you know, it's a, you know, same thing with penalty calls, you know, now and then. Like, I, I don't understand sometimes what hooking is anymore or right. slashing. You know, we had, a, you know, the thing last week with uh, Crosby, you know, slashing the guy in the hand and right. almost taking his finger off. And, yeah, and then uh, the game before that, he, he speared some guy in in the private area. I mean, it, it's, listen, right. you know, Crosby is... He's the face of the NHL. I get that, and he's he's put up with a lot of stuff. I'm sure yeah. on, on the ice hits, and there's no more enforcers anymore. So you know, I certainly think that 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 is a major change in the game too. You know, back in the day, yeah. people didn't take liberties with the stars because then you had to deal with like the Proberts and the Semenkos and you know these yeah. other tough guys, yeah. and you don't really have that element anymore. Hey, um. Charlie, it's my understanding that you spend a lot of time traveling the country, speaking to both high school and college players. How long have you been doing that, and can you just tell us a little bit more? Yeah, sure. That, that sort of um, just was born out of the charity stuff I was doing. You know, I, I do a lot of traveling around to try and do, you know, some fundraising and things like that. And, you know, invariably, I'm around other hockey coaches or hockey parents and organizations and so on. And, you know, because of the, the specific charity that that we do, you know, in terms of um, you know fallen soldiers and uh, and that, you know, people are real interested and in, and in, in look at that often as you know inspirational, um, and they ask me to talk to their players uh, from that respect. You know, talk to them about what I do with the charity and you know sort of how it relates to um, uh, being part of a team. Uh, how it relates to you know taking care of the you know your teammates and things like that and you know I, I really enjoy it I didn't, you know, I didn't see it coming it wasn't planned but a lot of times um, for instance I'm going out to Colorado next week um, and I've been back and forth there with some great folks working uh, outside of Denver and in Westminster Colorado and at a place called Horizon High School and I've got into a mentoring program there believe it or not. And it was all because, you know, one of the guys, one of the coaches out there where I was involved with his team, he's also a high school teacher, so they invited me out to do that. So, you know, there's a lot of um, connectability, I guess you would say. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll end up, you know, in a, in a hockey locker room. Uh, and it wasn't even planned, but, you know, uh, I'll be asked to go in and talk to a team before a game or something like that. And I, and I love doing it. Um you know, I think the players appreciate it. Um, I think that it gives them a good perspective on what they're about to do, um, considering, you know, uh, soldiers who have been, been lost in action, killed in action. And um, there's a lot of, you know, I, I'm not a soldier, so I, I can't speak for soldiers. I can only speak about them. Um, and I'm real careful about that. Um, but there's a lot of uh, connectability between uh between what goes on and, and, and freedoms that we have and the ability to play hockey and take advantage of it. Uh, so it's uh, something I really enjoy doing. Yeah, you know, let's let's talk about more about your charity because you, you mentioned it several times in that answer. Um, and that's one of the big reasons why we're, we're speaking today because I definitely want to spread the word about the good work that you're doing. So tell us more about U.S. Hockey Players Support Our Troops and how we can get involved. 
Sure, it's been it's been a real uh, journey. Um, you know, back in 2005, I was following what was going on in Afghanistan with a young man named uh, Mike Murphy from Long Island. Mike was uh, uh, from Patchogue, Long Island, that was killed in action and was uh, ultimately a recipient of the Medal of Honor. His family was. Um, and uh, so, you know, I come from a patriotic background. I was a management side responder at 9-11. Um, so, you know, I wanted to do something. My dad was a World War II vet. And, we, you know, we started this thing in 2007. It was just supposed to be in New York State. The idea was, you know, we try and raise some money and take that money and donate it to as many of uh, New York State's um, Gold Star families. That's a family that's lost uh, someone killed in action. <clears throat> the, excuse me, the immediate family of, of uh, a soldier who's been killed. Uh, so, you know, we, we did that. You know, I came up with a patch, a four-inch stolen patch uh, that, you know, we sold in the hockey community. You know, kids, players would buy them and, you know, put them on their jerseys or equipment bags or whatever. And that's how we, we raised the money. My family sponsored the uh, cost of the patches, and we, we still do. Uh, so, you know, that was the idea to do that for that one hockey season back in 2007-2008. And we started, uh, we raised some money, we started sending out checks, and I figured that would be that. Uh, but I started getting letters and phone calls um, thanking us uh, from, from these various families. And, of course, as fate would have it, one of the first letters we got was from a family in uh, Cheap Tawaga, New York, and they were hockey fans. And um, their son, uh, Travis, was uh, killed in action in Iraq. And he was a hockey player from, from New York State. And, um, you know, his mom described how, you know, he put vents in the garage door behind the house. And he was a big Buffalo Sabres fan. And Chris Drury got the family tickets to a, a game when Travis was home on leave. And, you know, it just hit home so much. You know, I felt like... You know, his mom was was writing about my own kids. You know, that's what it sounded like. And um, so we just couldn't walk away from it. And uh, here we are more than 10 years later, and we've done over 2,000 uh, donations similar to uh, the one I described. So it's been, uh, it's, been, it's been great. It's been inspirational. It's been sad. It's been everything. That sounds like a real, real phenomenal uh, organization that you've got there. Um, and I... And- I guess you know you have. I know you have a Facebook page, and I know there's a website too. I want to say it's www.ushockeyplayersupportourtroops.com. Is that correct, Charlie? Yeah, I mean the best way uh, to get me is just emailing me, and I'll answer everybody's questions. Uh, you know, I, I'd be happy to come out. You know, we we do. Um, you know, I'll give you my email. Actually, it's gili four nine eight at aol dot com. I don't answer anybody's questions, but. You know, the best way to support us is uh, just invite us out. You know, we sell our merchandise. If you're having a military appreciation game or a night or you're having a sponsor in a tournament and you want to have us out for the day, uh, we'll drive. Uh, you know, I've driven as far as Pittsburgh from Brooklyn to uh, to do what we do. And so New York State is, you know, that's our backyard. 
you know, the joke is, you know, if it's four hours, it's local. And if it's <laughs> more than that, a little bit further. So right. no biggie. Hey, I'm going to make it my business to get some of our teams from the Hudson Valley um, connected with your organization next season for sure because um, you're really doing some great work. And I'm all about, again, supporting any charity is related to hockey and certainly related to our servicemen and women. Um, that goes without saying. Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, based on your experience growing up and playing roller and playing a little bit of ice, that you want to be able to give your kids the opportunity to play the game. So it's my understanding that your daughter plays NCAA hockey. Who does she play for? Uh, she actually uh, finished up last, last year. She played four years for SUNY Portland. Okay. Um, a D3 program, yep. but um, it was just fantastic experience for her and just, you know, a little tip to any parents who are almost to that to that stage. Um, you know, it's really important to make sure you, uh, that the academics uh, is a really good fit for your, for your kid um, and that, the, you know, obviously the sports side is a good fit too. You know, you don't want to see, uh, which I see, you know, it's sad sometimes, you know, I'll see kids that I coached in the past and, they're playing on teams where they're they're basically sitting in the stands for four years with a clipboard. Uh, so, you know, you want to make sure it's a good fit uh, both academically and um, athletically for your kid. Yeah, that's it, that's great information. I had a I had a local college um, hockey coach on, and he said exactly the same thing. Academically, it has to be a good fit. The program has to work for you, and financially also it has to make sense. So those are like yeah, the no, key it's, components. Uh, you know, it's, it, it was great. I mean, it was perfect fit for her. She ended up as an assistant captain. She had, uh, you know, she started uh, every game pretty much. You know, I think she missed one game for an injury. Um, and um, you know the best the best thing about it, you know, was was being in a you know I I went to all but three of the games in four years, so I did a lot of clocked a lot of miles on my on my driving, but it was worth it, you know, to be in a in a far away uh, northern northern place and and here are announced as the uh, starting left wing from Brooklyn, New York, always always was a was a great sound and you know i always got a kick out of people double checking their programs to see <laughs> if they heard brooklyn right right uh, and um you know so she enjoyed that part of, part of it as well too so um it was a lot of fun That's and that now she works for the islanders she uh she, she you can you know the, the question is what happens to uh women hockey players that don't go to the Olympics or play in the pro league well they, they shovel ice chips at hockey games for the new york islanders so that's that's where Katie is uh, while she's in grad school. Nice, nice. Hey, as someone who was a top person in the New York City Parks and Recreation Department, what do you think can be done to expose more kids to the sport of hockey? That's a, that's a fantastic question. It's something that uh, has been uh, driving me nuts for, for years. Um, you know, I, I could speak to, you know, as a, as a former, you know, uh, deputy commissioner in, in parks, you know, in the early in the early seventies, you know, New York City had about uh, five ice rinks that were run by the city by the Parks and Recreation Department. And because of the fiscal crisis back then, um, you know, the golf courses that were city city run um, and ice rinks that were city run were concessioned out uh, to raise revenue. So you know, it was a necessary evil, unfortunately. But what that did to youth ice hockey was, uh, you know, basically make the sport a lot more expensive uh, for kids. So, 
you know, if you're if you're not a hockey maniac, you know, like we are, um, you know, and you are a young family and have a couple of little kids and you're looking to get them involved in organized sports and they could play, you know, say soccer or basketball for $60 uh, and of course the gym shorts and sneakers um, and they could play ice hockey, you know, for, you know, six or $700 in a, in a beginning program and the equipment and you're not a hockey fan, you know, which one are you going to choose? You're probably going to choose the, the cheap one. Um, so, you know, what's the answer? The answer is we have to find ways to, to make the game uh, more more accessible, uh, financially accessible for kids, um, and that's a that's a tough nut, especially uh, in a place like Brooklyn. I mean, we have millions of people living here, and we have three ice rinks, and only one of them is open year round. The other two close down uh, in the summertime. Hmm. So, you know, so when you look at that, uh, basically the sport is only accessible to people will have the financial resources uh, to allow their kids to play. Um, you know, so, you know, I'd like to see ways that, you know, that we can subsidize uh, cost, at least in the beginning, you know, to get kids on the ice. And, you know, the local organizations here are finding ways to do that, whether it's, uh, you know, grant uh, from the NHL or, you know, local sponsorship uh, that is able to, you know, subsidize ice costs. Uh, that's the only way you're going to get more players. And you know, on the way, the way I look at the growth of the sport, um, you know, if you look at baseball, you know, baseball when it started to grow, we're able to bring in players from Latin America um, and now from from uh, places like Japan. You know, hockey was sort of the opposite. You know, hockey we had Canadians, then Americans, then um, then when the Iron Curtain fell, you had. Uh, you know, Eastern Bloc countries, uh, you know, so the game, the level of the game stayed stayed high because you just had this influx of, you know, a whole new pool of players, and, you know, Scandinavian players as well. Um, you know, hockey is sort of the other way around. You know, I, I think the untapped resource for the future growth of hockey is urban areas. Um, you know, if we got more ice or cheaper ice, uh, you'd see a lot more kids from inner city uh, playing the sport, and I think it would benefit not only them, of course, but it would benefit the sport in general. So it's uh, finding creative ways to uh, lower the cost, basically. Well said, Charlie. Well said. And as we wrap up here, you meant you made reference to watching the Islanders and the Devils last night. Um, so who is your favorite uh, professional hockey team, if you have one? Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Islander fan. I, I started out as a Ranger fan. Uh, I was a season ticket holder back in, you know, before the Islanders were born. And they made a couple of trades back then that just drove me crazy. They traded our favorite players, Brad Paul, Sean Rattel, and later Rick Middleton to the Boston Bruins, who we hated back then. That was probably the biggest rivalry in hockey with the Rangers Bruins in the early 70s. Um, and then the Islanders were born in 72, so I was so so angry about the Ranger trades, I became an Islander fan. So, um, and that's, uh, you know, it's been great. Uh, it's great rivalry. I, I, I enjoy the sport, but you know, I'll, I'll go out. You know, whenever I have time, I'll if I go out, I'll, I'll go out and watch a local high school game. I just, I just love being around the sport at any level. Yeah, you and I are are cut from the same cloth with that regard. I, I during the season, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and during the playoffs, the, the entire week, you can find me at the rink. Um, who's yes. who's your favorite hockey player, past or present? 
Uh, my favorite player ever has to be uh, Brian Trottier from the Islanders. I think Brian was the the best two-way player I ever saw. Uh, he was tremendous offensively, defensively. He could play the game any way he wanted. He could, you know, smash, smash. A, uh, you know, high skilled, uh, wonderful, you know, skating hockey, tremendous player. Um, love them. You know, as a Ranger fan, I definitely have to tip my cap to tip tip my cap to uh, Brian Trottier, the player, but not to Brian Trottier, the coach. He was a failed experiment on Broadway, <laughs> briefly. And if you remember anything at all, he he supposedly wrote like a hundred page handwritten, yes. you know, uh, questionnaire or some kind of thing to Glenn Sather, and you know who knows. Hey, listen, it's it's always good. In my opinion, when the Islanders, when the Devils, and when the Rangers are playing well and they make it to the playoffs, it gets the city buzzing. It, it brings more attention to what I consider to be the greatest sport on the planet. So I don't think the Devils are making it. I think they're like the 29th worst team in you know the league. It looks like the Islanders yeah. are still kind of in the mix, although it looks like Tavares went down with an injury last night. So Yeah, um, I was watching. Uh, it was late in the game. You know, he was uh, going stepping behind the net trying to make himself skinny to get between the back of the net and the defenseman and he landed funny on his left skate and grabbed his uh, grabbed his hamstring so that did not look good yeah so here's here's hoping that Tavares isn't injured too badly and that the Islanders can somehow sneak in and, and wreak some havoc in the postseason um, Charlie I really do appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with me this morning uh, best of luck with the organization and with all the good work that you are doing with your uh, foundation with your charity um, that's uh, this was Charlie Gill uh, founder of U.S. Hockey Players Support Our Troops this is your boy Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major. You're listening to the Hudson Valley Hockey Podcast, powered by Capiche.com. I am the only independent outlet dedicated to covering hockey in our region, and I'll see you at the rink. I hope you enjoyed this in-the-box special edition of the Hudson Valley Hockey Podcast, now powered by Capiche.com, the number one destination for hockey talk in our region.